Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. Mm, but before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest. So let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Nicole Newlis. Nicole, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Uh, this is your first time in the hot seat. So why don't you give everyone a little brief introduction, who you are, what you do, why you do, what you do, when you do what you do? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I My name is Nicole Newlist. I live in Chicago, Illinois. Right now, I'm kind of hiding in my office at home from the negative 40 wind chills outside. I was global warning. What's that? Right. (laughs) Global (laughs) waming. No, I was out. I was outside yesterday for a little while just because cabin fever, despite whether I wanted to get out of the house. And it's like, okay, um, I didn't die, but I totally understand why you're not supposed to be outside for more than 10 minutes at a time. What I do, I write about horse racing. I'm a freelance horse racing writer, and I'm also one of the chart callers during the spring meet at Hawthorne and the summer meet at Arlington. If you don't know what a chart caller is, which means if you're like 99.9% of people who don't obsessively follow horse racing, um, I write the official trip notes. It's basically I do kind of the box score of each of the horse races. When I'm not writing about horse racing, I'm doing a lot of trivia. I do like to go to pub quizzes. I like to play in Learned League. I certainly have my topics that I'm really good at and my topics that I'm not really good at, like movies, TV, things like that. I'm usually up the creek without a paddle, (laughs) whereas, you know, sports, I can be kind of okay. Um, Math is by far my highest percentage in Learned League. So math, science, I'm usually a little more serviceable about, but yeah, I have my things that are so my wheelhouse, and I have my things that so are not. <laughs> well, can't promise anything. Uh, we, we do tend to uh, lean a little bit more pop culture but uh, we shall see how you do today. Let me explain for you the rules of the game, and anyone listening for the first time, uh, fill you in on what goes on here. And if you are listening for the first time, where have you been? Uh, there are, as always, as usual, four rounds of four questions apiece. In each round, I will let you know the categories in order that we'll be using for that round. Before I read each question, you get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth. Get it right, you get the points. It is just that simple. And there's also going to be a halftime bonus worth 10 points at the end of the game. You get to feel what we call the confidence question. A little bit of a twist this season. I will explain all of that when we get there. We cannot get there until it is now post time. I try and make you feel at home here. (laughs) Thank you. Here are the categories we are going to be using for round one. Uh, Kicking things off with music. Moving along to Fungo. Following that up with Mashup. And finishing up round one with what? comes next as always as usual point values available to you nicole are one three five and seven if you're ready to go i will simply ask you music one three five or seven i know music is one of those things that is either really good for me or really bad for me but but since fungo mashup and what comes next all have a certain lateral thinking aspect too that i'm even more hit or miss on than music 
I know Andy Saunders and Jeremy Kahneman are probably going to be screaming no right about now, but I am going to go seven for the music question. All right. Seven points for music. Uh, good luck. And a reminder that this is our alphabet season. Uh, this week's episode, uh, all the answers in some way, shape or form uh, will begin with the letter C. That could be the first word of a two word phrase. Uh, the last name of the person, first name of the person, uh, both but there will be at least one uh, word in every answer, unless I state otherwise. That begins with the letter C. With that in mind, here we go with your seven-point music question. Good luck. Zelma Davis and Martha Wash were two of the three main vocalists in this 1990s hit-making machine. In 2003, the third vocalist acquired the legal right to perform under what name? You said Martha Wash, and my brain started. Well, first it, it bounced to my best friend, Kevin, who loves him some Martha Wash. And then it bounced to, you know, 70s disco, weather girls. And then you said 90s. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I hope it's the one 90s connection to Martha Wash that I have. Because if I remember correctly, she was the everybody dance now in that CNC Music Factory song. So I'm going to go CNC Music Factory. Uh, Martha Wash was pretty much a, uh, well, she is a diva. Uh, pretty much she was <laughs> the voice of 90s music. Being in many groups, a uh, black box used her all the time. Strike it up! If this was the B episode, probably black box would have been the answer. Uh, <laughs> there was issues in terms of the record cut label and, and the music videos not really wanting to use her body image. And so they, they got a young, thin girl and didn't you know, replaced her. And they didn't even say that she was singing. And there were a lot of issues there. But she eventually sued them and got uh, the rights to... Uh, uh, appear and get a lot more importantly get the profits from that uh, however it was uh, David Cole Robert uh, Clavellis who were uh, the managers slash producers of this group guy by the name of Freedom Williams would ah uh, freedom rap while Martha Ross would sing in the background it was the CNC music factory well done seven points for you yay everybody yeah. points now <laughs> Like I said, music was hit or miss for me. I'm glad it ended up being a 90s song because 90s is probably my best era of music. There you go. There you go. Yeah, Freedom uh, wanted to tour, and uh, so he sued for the rights to tour under the name CNC Music Factory uh, and won, much to the chagrin of uh, the actual CNC. <laughs> <laughs> Let us continue on. I mean, we, we're hitting the ground running here. Uh, more things that make you go, hmm, with Fungo. <laughs> uh, one, three, or five? Just one. All right, one point for Fungo, a uh, relatively new category. Three clues, all pointing to the same answer. Here is your one-point Fungo question. Clue number one, a six-time Emmy winner, four-time husband, and a one-time nightly golfer. Clue number two, a one-time beau of Hewitt and Reed, a Times Square denizen since 1998, though far less often of late. Clue number three. A fabulous Pennsylvania champion, be we talking the number five or the number 11? I know who Jennifer Love Hewitt is. I can't actually remember anybody who she dated or married. 
six-time Emmy winner, four-time husband, one-time nightly golfer. Nightly golfer should be a hint for something, and I can't remember any sorts of shows or skits or segments about people golfing, particularly at night. My brain is only going to sports and real golfers, which I know is not going to be fruitful. Fabulous Pennsylvania champion. Pennsylvania champion. It's like, again, with the sports thing, I'm like, oh, Smarty Jones. Oh, wait, no, not Smarty Jones. That does not start with C and... Although when Smarty Jones w- was hot, there was that Scottish announcer, uh, Tommy Smythe, who would say the name all the time. And so it would be Smarty Jones. Smarty Jones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I have absolutely no idea. I am bobbling the ball here. So I'm just going to guess a random C name. And I guess my C equivalent of a Lucky Johnson this time is going to be Coleman. <laughs> hey, it's a name. And... Uh previous uh, incarnation uh, the b in the b uh, episode i did use uh, todd bridges as uh, the uh, fungo uh, bridges so perhaps gary coleman uh, no it's not gary coleman <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you are not correct unfortunately but uh, let me break down this clue for you here uh, a six-time emmy winner four-time husband uh, one-time nightly golfer because he would end his monologue of the tonight show with a little <laughs> golf swing Oh, Johnny Carson. <laughs> Johnny Carson, the uh, one-time beau of Jennifer Love Hewitt and Tara Reid. Uh, Times Square, Dennis, since 1998, when he hosted uh, TRL from Times Square. Carson uh, and, Daly. Yes, also now does the New Year's Eve, so uh, he's not there daily, but he is there once uh, a year. And uh, his name is Daly, yes, Carson Daly. Uh, and the fabulous Pennsylvania champion, BB uh, talking the number 11, which would be Carson Wentz from the Eagles, or the number five, uh, a member of the Fab Five, would be Carson Cressley, who is actually, uh, you might know this, a world renowned horseman. Yes, I do vaguely remember Carson Cressley being involved with horses. I don't know his horse resume super well just because. He wasn't, you know, a jockey or a trainer, and I know racing a lot better than I know other equestrian disciplines. Yeah, he was some sort of world (laughs) champion. I don't know if it was dressage or something like that, but he definitely uh, knows his way around a stable. He could definitely decorate it like no one's business. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I don't have a stable of my own, but I I can think of some people who would be very, very happy to have their stables clear eye for the straight guide. Indeed, indeed. Uh, original version only. Sorry, uh, sorry, new guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did not get that one, but hey, it was only one point, so uh, n- you know, no harm, no foul in the grand scheme of things. Let us keep moving along here. Mashup is next. You have a three, you have a five. I'll do five. All right, five points for mashup. Good luck. And here we go. This bestseller of Wally's part of an empire made possible by a loan from Marvin Gaye was brought to life in epic fashion by a not-so-hidden figure on Fox. So you said bestseller of Wally's. Please spell Wally's. W-A-L-L-Y apostrophe S. All right. That's what I wrote down, but I was wondering if it was a reference to the Wall-E movie or not. Fair enough. Yeah, um... Hidden Figures rings a vague bell as a show that exists, maybe, but I 
don't have a TV at home. So I'm a little just out of it as far as most TV shows. Like sometimes I will go and you know catch up on RuPaul's Drag Race with a couple of my friends, but that's about it. And alone from Marvin Gaye. Uh, if I knew of anyone who got a loan from Marvin Gaye, that might help. And a bestseller of Wally's. Yeah, I I hate leaving a question blank, but none of these are actually leading me into anything that I can think of, whether they start with a C or otherwise. So just put me out of my misery. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, the the thing with the mashup is it's hard to take a stab at it uh, under most circumstances because it, it is a puzzle where the pieces will fall right into place and you'll be like, aha, Eureka! And if you don't have that Eureka moment, then you have a Fifi O'Hara moment. See, I can call Drag Race get right back. Haha. No reference too small or obscure. <laughs> uh, so the Wally in question... That's his real name. He is probably more famously known by his moniker, Famous Amos, Wally Amos. Uh, ah. he, is, uh, he was looking to get his uh, baked goods company up and running, and he took uh, a loan from Marvin Gaye, amongst other uh, investors. And uh, so the chocolate chip cookie would be what he is famous for. Uh, the not-so-hidden figure, we were talking about uh, Taraji P. Henson, uh, was in the movie Hidden Figures. She's also on Fox on the TV show Empire, playing a character named Cookie Lion. Put it all together, chocolate chip Cookie Lion is the answer. Yeah, I would never have gotten Cookie Lion in a million years, though, of course, at least... I, I'm familiar with chocolate chip cookies, although I can't <laughs> say I support the act of putting dough in the oven because the dough tastes so much better. You did not uh, get your uh, snack on there, but hopefully we can uh, move on and you can make a meal of the final question in round one. It is going to be worth three points to you. It is what comes next. Are you ready, Nicole? I'm ready as I'm going to be. Violet, Mike, Alberto what comes next all right so you said violet and of all of the things that violet could possibly be the one thing that i associate violet with in a sequence is the kids in the willy wonka and the chocolate factory movie which I don't know why that comes to mind so quickly, especially because I remember deliberately getting in trouble in second grade. So I wouldn't have to sit down and watch Willy Wonk on the chocolate factory <laughs> on Friday. Cause if you were bad, you couldn't get to watch the movie and you had to sit at your desk and read. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Willy Wonka for the 50 billionth time. So <laughs> I caused trouble in class and that worked for a couple of weeks until such point as my teacher told me I had to start copying the dictionary instead of actually reading. Anyway, then I just opted out of the movie. Movies make me fall asleep. Hence, I'm probably going to miss most of the movie questions this time. And then you said Mike and I'm like, okay, Mike TV. Okay, I got this. Um, then Alberto, uh, maybe I'm kind of falling off the rails there because I do not remember... Alberto from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But barring anything else, knowing that Violet and Mike are both Willy Wonka characters and, you know, my boy Meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad. I'm going to go with the one C name that I remember from Willy Wonka and that's 
Charlie, Charlie Bucket. So Charlie is my answer. Charlie is your answer. Uh, probably a better guess than Marvin Lee a day would be, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless, you would do anything for trivia answers, but you won't. <laughs> probably of the names, I mean, Augustus and Veruca probably would be a little bit more spot on. What else could it be than Willy Wonka, than perhaps Violet, which is at least has a little bit more broad appeal. And Mike is a, a very ordinary name. Uh, you were hung up on this Alberto. If you watch the movie or read the book, uh, there is a announced winner, uh, discoverer of a golden ticket. His name is Alberto, and he's in South America. And then it is revealed that Alberto was a fake. But these are in order announced golden ticket finders. So Charlie Bucket is indeed the correct answer. Three points for you. Well, well done. Yay! <laughs> it's probably the only movie question I'm going to get. And I think my brain does compartmentalize this as a movie question because... I've not actually read the book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I just had to watch the movie nine million times as our reward in elementary school until I got really sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, you know what? We uh, we rolled all along the answers here. <laughs> oh, oof, oh, Merrily, we rolled along. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a, a giant peach of 10 points here for you. <laughs> uh, 10 out of possible 16. Double digits after round one. Well done. How are you feeling now that you got a round under the proverbial belt? I'm feeling good that I've gotten a round under me, and I am shocked and delighted that I have double digits after the first round. Well, don't get too comfortable because no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully we can keep this going here. So let us quickly, quickly move along to round two. The point values are going to increase to two, four, six, and eight. And here are the categories we are going to be using today in round two, kicking things off with around the world, following that up with movies and then after movies, well, we're just going to keep the pop culture coming. I apologize, but at least we'll get them out of the way. Television <laughs> is third. <laughs> and we're going to wrap up the first half and round two with history. So around the world is first, two, four, six, or eight. All right. I guess it was, it was pretty clear that there were two of them that were going to get my six or eight. And there were two of them that were going to get my two or four. I just had to assign them appropriately. And... I will go six for Around the World. Six points for Around the World. All right, good luck. And here we go. With a name that means at the edge of a well, what site also contains the El Carasol Observatory? El Carasol? I have never heard of it. I know sol means sun. I think cara means face. And that sounds very Spanish for... You know, the face of the sun, which I guess is a logical name for an observatory. And at the edge of a well, let's see, trying to dig back to my Spanish classes at various points in elementary school and high school and college. And I do not recall edge or well. Um, I wish I knew where more observatories were. Well, Tommy and sending our love down the well is not helping me at all here. As <laughs> <laughs> the non-TV person. Okay, sure. <laughs> I have very 
specific spots of TV that I know. Like, if you ask me a question about Beavis and Butthead, I could give you the deep cuts. But other than that, it's very spotty. You said it without the edge of a well, dumbass. Yeah, well. (laughs) Your Beavis and Butthead impressions are certainly better than mine, despite the fact (laughs) that I've tried for eh, certainly north of 20 years now. I guess I got into that show when I was about 13, so I'm now 36. So yeah, it's been a few years that I've been watching it. (laughs) But unfortunately, they don't wreak havoc in any observatories called El Carasol, and... Edge of a well. I yeah. I'm. It starts with a C. Um. There's going to be a C somewhere. So let's see if I can go back. Go at it from that way. I don't have anything. So I'm guess I'm just going to guess a country whose name starts with C and who speaks Spanish. So I will say Colombia and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Colombia is your answer, and you're walking away. It's a long walk back to Chicago from Colombia. <laughs> There is a television station, I believe, called Carasol, which uh, originates in Colombia, but that's neither here nor there. That's just one of these little pieces of information that's bouncing around in my brain that just comes out at the weirdest moments here. It is a site that sits at the edge of a well. Certain political factions would like it to perhaps sit at the edge of a wall going forward. We're looking at something in Mexico. Uh, These are the ancient ruins of the Mayan civilization known as Chichen Itza. Chichen Itza. Yes, that was the site we're looking at. And uh, yeah, an ancient observatory called El Carasol sits there and is part of the uh, part of the site. I had no idea that there was an ancient observatory at Chichen Itza. I learned something today. We try to educate as well as entertain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> entertain. <laughs> we don't need TV to entertain us. <laughs> Use that anus. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> that that is right. a real Beavis and Butthead quote. <laughs> Indeed, uh, uh, I, I promise that uh, when we get to television, Cornholio will not be the answer. Uh, <laughs> movies <Darn>. is next. <laughs> Two, four, or eight for movies. I'll go with four. I'm about equally bad at movies as I am at TV, but the, the coin landed on four for this one. All right, hopefully uh, you can uh, come up with the correct answer, uh, despite your uh, incredible lack of confidence here. (laughs) (laughs) Here is your four-point movie question. Brave-hearted Ginger and Babs attempt to escape from captivity in what 2000 film from Nick Park? All right, so... Braveheart, Ginger, and Babs really don't ring a bell together. Like, of course, I know the existence of the, the the Mel Gibson movie Braveheart, and I remember Babs the Bunny from Tiny Toon, maybe? And Ginger could be a lot of different things. But trying to escape from captivity in a movie from around 2000, and these names don't exactly sound like people names together like they're neither ordinary enough nor coherent so maybe they're animal names and given the captivity theme and the fact that I remember this movie coming out at least vaguely around 2000 I think it was pretty close to when I started college I'm gonna go with chicken run chicken run is your answer uh 
seeing through my uh, not-so-thinly-veiled hint of brave-hearted Ginger. Braveheart being, of course, uh, a reference to Mel Gibson, who played Rocky, the uh, lone uh, rooster uh, who uh, appears in this uh, not-so-thinly-veiled reference to a POW camp in the Great Escape uh, allegory that goes on in from the uh, creator of Wallace and Gromit. Chicken Run is the correct answer. Well done. Four points for you. Yay! <laughs> I totally didn't remember that Mel Gibson voiced anyone in that movie, so it was really just captivity in the year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, uh, yeah, and also perhaps, uh, you know, going from Chichin Itza to Chicken Run. Uh, <laughs> Might have been where my uh, stream of consciousness uh, went. Uh, who's to say? <laughs> that's not where my stream of consciousness went, but that's the beauty of stream of consciousness. Everyone's is different. And yet we ended up in the same location. Four points well done. Television up next. I have a feeling this is going to be two points, but I need to hear it from you to make it official. Two or eight. Oh, oh you are correct. This is my two pointer. <laughs> yeah, that was not so thinly veiled. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right, well, nevertheless, maybe you will get two points for the following television question. Uh, Though he was a Tony Award winner, this actor was a 1970s game show staple, as well as the title character in the X-Files episode, Jose Chung's From Outer Space. Who was it? All right, so Tony Award winner, actor, 70s game show staple, and X-Files, Jose Chung's From Outer Space. I never watched the X-Files. I remember I went to a nerd camp one summer back in the late 90s. And one of my friends there was obsessed with X-Files. But I never actually sat down and watched it with her. Mainly because we didn't have TVs in our dorm rooms. Tony Award winners. I... I'm not super great on Tony Award winners. I know a handful of musical theater songs. I can kill it with When You're Good to Mama at karaoke. <laughs> but the thing that I'm kind of hooking on is actor, 1970s game show staple. And when I think of actors and 1970s game shows, I think of the match game. Um, maybe that's because uh, my friend and I, for our 26th birthday, we did a match game themed party. And let's just say I took my role as Brett Summers so seriously that I don't remember most of the night. (laughs) You took it so seriously that you married uh, Jack Klugman. (laughs) (laughs) Fortunately, I did not take it that seriously. (laughs) I just... Yeah, no, unfortunately, I did not marry Jack Klugman. Although, again, with the random things that you can tie back into horse racing, Jack Klugman bred racehorses. And perhaps his best and most famous one was one he named Jacqueline Klugman. (laughs) (laughs) How apropos. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so starting with a C, and I said I have no idea if he was ever on the X-Files or ever on Broadway, but I'm going to go with Charles Nelson Riley. Charles Nelson Riley is your answer. Um, So uh, X-Files, Jose Chung's from Outer Space, it's uh, a delightful episode. It's one of the 
comedy episodes. Some some of the X Files episodes were a little bit more geared towards horror. Some were a little bit more just uh, you know advancing the storyline. Uh, this was one that was very tongue in cheek and lighthearted. Uh, it includes. Jesse, the body Ventura, and Alex Trebek uh, as Men in Black from the government. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a scene to see, uh, and it's all kind of spun from this uh, best-selling Whitley Schreiber-esque kind of novel uh, that was penned by a, a, a an author with a nom de plume, Jose Chung, uh, portrayed in fine match game fashion uh, by Charles Nelson Riley. <laughs> You got a TV question right, two points. You got the movies and the TV right. I can't believe that. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, Charles Nelson Riley was nominated uh, for a Tony for uh, Hello, Dolly, and I believe he won for How to Succeed in Business without really trying. So. Yeah, I didn't know for sure whether Charles Nelson Riley was ever on Broadway, but I know him well enough from the match game to think having him on stage wouldn't be too much of a stretch. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. How to succeed in trivia without realizing you're trying. <laughs> uh, you're right in the book there. Uh, let's keep it going. Keep it going here. We don't have fill in the blank anymore, which would have been a perfect apropos <laughs> follow-up. <to that laughs> uh, history is up next. It's going to be worth eight points to you for that's all that's left you. Time it was and what a time it was. Uh, are you ready? I'm ready. Here's your eight-point history question. Stranded for a year in Jamaica, who was able to avoid death by successfully predicting a lunar eclipse, essentially C-3PO-ing the locals into thinking he was magic? <sighs> I'm not sure I've heard this story before, which is disappointing because it's, I don't know, a pretty fun anecdote of the power of science when... That sort of science is still being learned. I don't know. Definitely thinking some kind of explorer, conquistador, some other like back in the day colonial type figure only because that sounds about right for both stranded being in Jamaica and for predicting a lunar eclipse being something super impressive as opposed to just something that we can google like we can now <laughs> um just trying to think of sea explorers so i mean there's obviously christopher columbus um although i feel like i would know if he had been stranded a year in jamaica during his explorations Thinking of a lot of other explorers and conquistadors, there's Captain Cook, who I guess also has a C in it. No Cs for Pizarro or Da Gama or Marco Polo or anything like that. Of course, now I'm kind of kicking myself because I've stumbled across two perfectly cromulent answers with Cs in them. <laughs> and Captain Cook or Christopher Columbus... Just because they talked about Columbus a lot more in school. And so I feel like some tongue-in-cheek social studies teacher over the years would have told this anecdote if it had been Christopher Columbus. I'm going to say Captain Cook. All right. Captain Cook is your answer. Uh, plenty of uh, explorers out there. You mentioned quite a few of them. 
big C one you left out was, of course, the one who hung out in Mexico, uh, not with the Mayans, but with the Aztecs, would be Hernando Cortez. Uh, that would have been a perfectly cromulent answer as well. Uh, not correct, but it would have been cromulent. <laughs> you know, it just goes to show that all good things must come to an end, including your run at successful answers. But feel free to uh, proceed with your uh, self-flagellation here. The fourth and final voyage of one, Mr. Christopher Columbus, oh, ended no. in disaster as his shipwrecked. Uh, as they were trying to get it fixed, the guy who promised to give them the funding for it changed his mind. And poor Christopher was left stranded uh, on Jamaica and pulled a C-3PO, and, uh, oh, you'll make, oh, you'll make my gods angry. <laughs> oh, it was Christopher Columbus. Oh! Yeah. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> Leave it to me to get the four-pointer and the two-pointer right, and not the six-pointer and the eight-pointer. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Six points were still earned by you, and we're going to add those to the ten you had coming in, and we are entering halftime with... A very, very healthy 16 points. Here is how halftime is going to work. I am going to read you a question. It is our only partial credit question of the game. After I finish the question, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think about your answers. And we'll take a brief break. Uh, return from the break. Hopefully you can correctly get points for answering the following question. Here it is. According to the United Nations... There are 22 countries and dependent territories that start with the letter C. China is far and away the most populous of these nations and territories. For two points each, name any five of the next seven most populous Cs on the list. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think about your answers to that question, and we will be back after the break. If you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron. Just like Madeline, Andy, Asha, Heather, and many others who have joined since the start of the season. Check out patreon.com slash beatmyguest for details. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Nicole Newlist. When we last left Nicole, they were sitting on 16 points working on the following halftime bonus question... According to the United Nations, there are 22 countries and dependent territories, starting with the letter C. China, far and away the most populous of these nations slash territories. For two points each, I have asked Nicole to name any five of the next seven most populous Cs on the list. Nicole, what have you got for me? All right. I wish I knew... I don't know. I think there's some song. I think also going back to Babs, it may even be from Tiny Toon Adventures about the countries. I never learned that song. So I was kind of on my own. Um, couldn't remember all 22. And I'm sure at least one of them is a dependent territory. Um, sounded like you were kind of nudging me in that direction, but I could not think of any dependent territories. Um as far as my guesses for the countries, I'm going to go with Cambodia. I'm going to go with Congo, Colombia. Even though I'm not sure how populous it is, I'm going to guess that Canada is more populous than a lot of, I don't know, smaller island countries. So I'll go with Canada. 
And because I'm a good little pointless fan, I'm going to close it out with the Central African Republic. All right. Those are five, uh, certainly, uh, things that start with C. <laughs> Hiya. Uh, we'll see uh, how you're doing uh, here as we uh, we'll go over them. Uh, we'll find out if it's the correct answer and see how many people said it. Wait, no, wrong show. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I get the reference. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so I, I think the easiest way to do this would be to start at uh, number eight on this list and work my way up towards number one, where, of course, we know number one is China at 1.4 billion people, uh, not even close uh, in terms of anyone approaching that. Uh, number eight on our list with 15 million approximately people. Uh, we're going to round here because, you know, when you count people, there's uh, odds are there's going to be some problems you know, with some hanging Chad's. Uh, <laughs> Chad is indeed in eighth place here. Ah. In seventh. With 16 million people, it is in South Asia. It is Cambodia. Two points for you. Well done. Yay. Moving on to South America for 18 million people. Uh, it's a very thin country, kind of. Uh, Doing a little uh, late night snuggle with Argentina. We're talking Chile. That was on my list. I just didn't think it was quite that populous. Nice. Indeed. Indeed. 25 million. We have uh, a basic uh, basic tie here uh, between African nations Cameroon. Oh. And yes, the official name is in French. So Cote d'Ivoire. Uh, counts as a C for United Nations purposes. I was trying to think of more African countries and probably would have gone with them if I thought of them. Number three on the list, 37 million. No wall needed to keep them from coming into our nation. Uh, we are talking about our lovely neighbors to the north. Canada, two points for you. Well done. It's actually more than I thought lived in Canada. Yeah, but they're all like in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> And at number two, uh, 49 million, it is the Philippines. No, no, no. I mean, Colombia. Colombia. Hey. Did a Steve Harvey there. It's a, <laughs> <call back>. <sighs> <sighs> Excellent job. You got uh, six points out of a possible 10. Add it to the 16 you had coming into halftime, meaning you're leaving halftime with 22 points. Uh, after Chad, the next five nations on the list, just for grins, were Cuba, Czechia, a.k.a. the part of Czechoslovakia that isn't Slovakia, Congo, Costa Rica, and, of course, your favorite pointless answer, the C-A-R. <laughs> I actually had all five of those on my list, Indeed. including Czechia written as Czechia and not the Czech Republic, because I know <laughs> that's the short form they want us to use now. Ah, uh, it's all Iswatini. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent job. 22 points. We are heading into the second half. Round three is up next. Point values are going to stay the same at 2, 4, 6, and 8, but the categories, they'll be a changing, and here's what they'll be a changing to. Kicking things off with Who Done It? Followed up with Sports. Moving along to everybody's favorite new category, only in Florida. And we are going to wrap up round three with Science. Science! So, Who Done It? 2, 4, 6, or 8? 4. All right, four points for who done it. Listen to the following uh, little tidbit about somebody and tell me who done it. 
Who left Allie, Normani, Dinah, and Lauren in a lurch back in December of 2016? Perhaps because her heart was no longer in it, and she did not want to be taken back. Allie, Normani, who and Lauren? Dinah, as in someone's in the kitchen with. Ah, so these names are not sounding familiar in 2016. I mean, for lack of a better anything, I'm trying to think of, like, girl groups, because this sounds like it might be some kind of, like, girl group singing group. Um, Unfortunately, my knowledge of music past about 2003 or 2004 is a big gaping hole. See, Ali, Normani, Dinah, and Lauren. Maybe I can think of some kind of a recent singer whose name starts with C. Pretty sure it's not Cardi B. There's that Camille something who sang that Havana song that was all over the radio last year. Like, I could not walk into a bar without hearing that song playing can't remember her last name though although i believe it also starts with a c yeah i got nothing so at least since i know it starts with a c i'm just gonna say cardi b and walk away all right cardi b and walk away i do know that uh she was originally going to call herself bacardi and then flipped it which is where cardi b comes from uh so ali normani dinah and lauren Four out of five members of a girl group. You are correct. That girl group in question is called Fifth Harmony. One member decided uh, just before Christmas in 2016 that uh, I think I'd rather just be a solo artist. I said that her heart was no longer in it. Havana, na, na, na. You were right there dancing all around it. It is indeed Camila Cabello. Yeah, if I had been able to remember her last name, I would have stuck there instead of Cardi B, but I figured you'd need a last name, and I i mean, I had no idea that she'd been in any kind of girl group, so I'm surprised I was that close. Yeah, Camila yeah. Cabello. <laughs> na, 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 No points there, but uh, you know what? Plenty of time left in round three, and we can just Put that in our past, much like the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, sports is up next. Two, six, or eight? Six. Six points for sports. Good luck. And here we go. Before LeBron James helped bring home an NBA title in 2016, which Ohio team was most recently the winner of a major professional sports championship? All right. Now I'm just brainstorming Ohio teams. And it had to have been a really long time ago because I don't actually remember any Ohio teams winning professional sports championships. Um, I jotted down the Columbus Blue Jackets, although I'm pretty sure they have not existed long enough to actually win a hockey title. I remember the Cincinnati Bengals being at least good for a while with Boomer Esiason, although I don't actually remember them winning Super Bowl with Boomer Esiason. Um, Cleveland Browns, I just remember being bad. Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds, I mean, I'm those are kind of the two that I'm leaning towards, only because I don't remember either of them winning a World Series, although perhaps they have, like, back in the day. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Indians. 
Cleveland Indians is your answer. Uh, certainly, uh, LeBron James brought a championship to Cleveland in the form of the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016, and it was quite the drought in terms of uh, in terms of basketball. You know, Cleveland Cavaliers never really done anything in terms of uh, baseball. You had the Indians recently making the World Series against the Chicago Cubs, and both of them had been non-winners for an extremely long time there. So Cleveland, not exactly a city of champions before LeBron got involved. Browns, no, 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 no. <laughs> the, the beauty of, uh, of Ohio is that almost all of their major cities start with C, which makes this not a very easy uh, throw-the-dart kind of thing there. Yeah, Cincinnati Bengals, yeah, boom, they were good with Boomer. They were good with Ken Anderson. In 2008, little team that, plays a little sport called soccer it's pretty pretty big around the world oh Uh, the columbus crew yes the mls cup was won by the columbus crew in 2008 and they were the most recent winner of a major professional sports championship don't at me people mls it's major league soccer it's a major professional sports championship. In 2017, the major league lacrosse champion was the Ohio Machine. So Ohio has won one since LeBron, but that doesn't count because I said prior to, and Ohio Machine does not start with a C. Columbus Crew is the answer I was going for here. All hail Brian McBride. I wish I had thought of soccer. I completely agree. I mean, major league soccer is the top level American soccer league. I just was stuck in that box of the quote-unquote four major sports. I think if I had thought of the Columbus crew, I'd be like, well, all of these other teams I've listed have been bad. So, Indeed, indeed. It was, uh, yeah, it's uh, been, been a bit of a, of a thirsty uh, sports fan base, to be sure. I cannot give you the points there. I'm hoping we can turn things around here. I don't like the direction in which we are headed. Uh, I really don't like the direction we're headed because we're headed to Florida for only in Florida. <laughs> two or eight. As much as I love the concept of this category, I mean, I've, I, I grew up, well, I guess not grew up, but my young adulthood was a steady diet of FARC.com. So all the stories about the Florida man, it's just such a broad thing that I am going to go with two. Good luck. Here is your two point only in Florida question. A Connecticut man, and surprisingly not a Texas man, was detained by several senior citizens at St. Martin de Porres Church in Jensen Beach, Florida, after he attempted to steal what? All right, so he's a Connecticut man, surprisingly not from Texas, was detained by senior citizens in a church after trying to steal something. All right, so something that starts with C that you'd expect the person who tried to steal it would be from Texas. You have Um, picked up what I was putting down. (laughs) Now, of course, I'm trying to think of things associated with Texas that start with a C. I mean, I know you'd find a cross in a church, but that's not super Texan as compared to any place else that you'd find it in a church. Um, Texas. What do Texans like? Cattle. They like barbecue. (laughs) I don't think you'd be stealing a cow from a church, even in Florida. <laughs> this is why I love this category. It really gets you out of your <laughs> thinking of the correct answer kind of thing. It's 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 not trivia per se, but it does get you thinking in a different way. <laughs> I associate cowboy hats with Texas, although 
I'm not sure why everybody in the church would put their necks on a line when someone's <laughs> just trying to steal a hat. <laughs> Unless it was like Jesus's cowboy hat or something. <laughs> cowboy boots? Cowboy statue? <laughs> yeah, maybe this is a weird church that had a statue of a cowboy. So I'm gonna go with a cowboy statue. A cowboy statue is your answer. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you only weighed your two points on this. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but uh, then again, I can't say any answer is really a bad answer in this category. <laughs> yeah, the uh, you were saying like, why would uh, these senior citizens risk uh, life and limb to uh, stop this guy from stealing something? Even after you hear the answer, I think you're going to be asking yourself, why did senior citizens decide to risk life and limb to try and stop this guy from stealing something? This was a Catholic church, and uh, he joined the line. He got up to the priest and then turned to walk away. And the priest basically said to him, like, hey, where are you going? Don't you want to take communion? And he said, no. He just grabbed all the wafers out of the guy's hands and <laughs> made a run for it. We are talking communion wafers <laughs> aka the body of christ aka corpus christi oh <laughs> now 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 here's the here here's the fun for no points second portion of our game <laughs> how many wafers do you think he was charged with stealing <laughs> um and don't get me started on how we're going to assess value. But <laughs> yeah, how many how many wafers? I I can imagine there being quite a few, although not too many. So I will say four hundred. Yeah, I mean, if he had taken like the whole wafer supply for the next few weeks, perhaps he was arrested uh, and charged with causing a commotion uh, by taking fifteen <laughs> communion wafers. <laughs> Really, though, if you're going to steal one part of the communion sacrament, why didn't he steal the wine? Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, we, we had a lot of laughs. Not a lot of points, but a lot of laughs with that one. Uh, science is up science! next. Eight points. Still the highest scoring question for this round. Here is your eight-point science question. Roger Sperry won the Nobel Prize in 1981 for his research into brain function, spurred on by his examination of epilepsy patients with damage to what? I am thinking it is part of the brain. Of course, like the Ohio sports question, there are lots of these that start with C. There is the cerebrum. There's the cerebellum. There's the cerebral cortex. And for some reason, when I thought of it, it there was some little synapse that fired when I thought of cerebral cortex. So like when I thought of epilepsy and cerebral cortex, that might not be right. But since all I really have is that gut instinct to go on, I'm going to stick with my gut. I'm going to say cerebral cortex and I'm going to walk away. So yes, uh, brain function should trigger a whole bunch of C words in your mind, uh, literally in your mind, uh, uh, as uh, that is a prevalent letter, as it turns out in terms of uh, brain function. The thing with the epilepsy patients is that they found that 
part of what causes the seizures is communication that is going on between the two hemispheres of the brain that can be lessened by a little snip snip or damage to the part of the brain that connects those two hemispheres. We are talking about the corpus callosum. Ah, yeah, I was never going to get that. I have not heard of the corpus callosum, and now I know another part of the brain. Yeah, and it's it's a thin membrane that kind of like uh, helps uh, that left brain to communicate with the right brain, and Roger Sperry did a whole bunch of analysis, and that's how we now have the definitions of left brain individuals with, you know, creativity versus logic in the right brain, and, you know, he kind of was able to determine where all of these uh, functions lie on which side of the brain. And if I had ever heard of the corpus callosum, maybe I would have gone to that from Corpus Christi in the last question. Ding, but I never heard of it. <laughs> We're just going to just snip snip that entire round out of our memory here. <laughs> Not that it would affect my score in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? 22, still a solid score, and we luckily still have the highest scoring round left on our plate, as is always the way, round four. Uh, three, five, seven, and nine are the point values available to you. We've got four regular categories left, and here they are. Starting these off with audio hodgepodge, which admittedly is a bit of a lifestyle. We're going to move along then to analogies, follow it up with potpourri, and we are going to wrap up round four and the second half with literature. First things first, audio hodgepodge, three, five, seven, or nine. Um, I'm gonna go with three for Audio Hodgepodge. All right, Audio Hodgepodge, this is how it's going to work. I am going to read you a question. When I'm done with the question, I'll play a little clip for you. Hopefully, when you're done listening to the clip, you can give me the correct answer to said question. And here is said three-point question of which I speak. I'll be quiet so that you can try to identify the speaker in this clip. When we come to realize that the yearly expenses of the governments of this country, the stupendous sum of about $7,500,000,000, we get $700,000,000, is needed by the national government and the remainder by local governments. Such a sum is difficult to comprehend. It represents all the pay of 5 million wage earners receiving $5 a day Working 300 days in the year. All right. So this person is talking about how much money it takes to run a government. And I assume it's kind of back in the day because of the whole $5 a day bit. Um, couldn't do a whole lot with $5 a day nowadays. I'll be quiet. Okay. So I'm going to loop back to that whole I'll be quiet. Um just given the amount of money and the kind of old school quality of the recording, I was thinking early 20th century anyway, and I'll be quiet leads me to a C president, Silent Cal Coolidge. So I'm going to go with Calvin Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge is your answer. Uh, much like our journey through Ohio and the brain, certainly there are plenty of see presidents that you could come up with in a small window here you know you got your chester arthur you've got your grover cleveland uh certainly would uh be on the line here however the first president to uh be filmed with audio 
Uh, you just listened to a riveting portion of said speech. Was one known for his taciturnness and not his loquaciousness? Yes, big words to say. This is indeed Calvin Coolidge. Three points for you. Well done. Yay! What's funny is you mentioned presidents, and my first thought was maybe president is too easy, and I'm trying to think of economists, and I was not thinking of any economists during that time period whose name started with C, so then I fell back on presidents and looked at I'll be quiet, and it's like, okay, this is falling together. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> all the pieces just kind of land properly there, and uh, just be glad I didn't play the rest of that speech, because it goes on for some time. <laughs> oh, I would have gotten a really good sleep, though. And another thing... <laughs> We have the best, best elevators and the best words I use. The best words. And... You, you know words. You have the best words. Bigly. Very bigly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are going to move along. Keep this uh, win streak going here, hopefully, with analogies. Five, seven, or nine. Nine. <laughs> Look at you going strong with the nine. <laughs> Good luck to you. Here is your nine-point analogies question. Pavel is to Alina Casanova as Valerie is to who? All right. So I have no idea who Alina Casanova is, but I have a couple different associations with the name Pavel. And one of them is a racehorse who ran in the Breeders' Cup Classic the last couple of years. I'm pretty sure it's not that Pavel. <laughs> Even though he is a pretty cute gray horse. I mean, Pavel's gorgeous if you ever get the chance to see him. I think he actually might be running in the Dubai World Cup. I think they might be pointing him for that. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm pretty sure there's not an Alina Casanova who's, you know, Pavel's stablemate or something. But Pavel and Valerie both strike me as, like, I know of hockey players named Pavel Bure and Valerie Bure. Um, I remember Pavel Bure because he played hockey during my brief hockey fan stint as a kid. And I know Valerie Bure because he married DJ from Full House, Candace Cameron. And that's what I'm going to go with, Candace Cameron. Candace Cameron is your answer. I really have nothing to add to this conversation whatsoever uh, because, no, Alina Casanova is not a, a, a mayor who uh, hangs out with Pavel. <laughs> Although uh, one could say that she is the stablemate to Pavel. I mean, they they, they are married. So, uh, you know, that's the term that the kids use today. Well, then go for it. Uh, yes, we are talking about the uh, hockey's Beret brothers, Pavel and Valerie. Uh, Pavel, probably the more famous hockey player of the two, but uh, I would say uh, certainly to American sitcom viewers, cut it out. Uh, introduced to Valerie by Dave Coulier, his Full House co-star, Candace Cameron. You are correct. Nine points. Well done. Yay! I knew I was rolling the dice putting nine on analogy because those can kind of be you either know it or you don't, but... I wasn't feeling as confident about any of the other categories, and I'm glad it worked out for me. <laughs> as am I. Well done. Two for two in the round. Let's see how we do with question number three. It is potpourri. Five or seven? Seven. Seven points. Potpourri. Good luck. And here is your question. Whole grain corn, sugar, cornmeal, corn syrup, 
canola oil, cocoa processed with alkali, red number 40, yellow number 5 and 6, blue number 1. These are the primary listed ingredients of what General Mills product? All right. So General Mills definitely leads me to a cereal. The corn and corn syrup and sugar and canola oil is probably the base of the cereal. Bready skeleton of it, if you will. Red number 40, yellows five and six, blue number one, and cocoa processed with alkali so i'm thinking that it is at least a chocolate cereal in part because of the cocoa um the colors are kind of throwing me off because i'm thinking oh maybe it's like tricks or something because it's colored but i don't remember tricks being chocolate cereal and also it doesn't start with a c um, there are a couple of chocolate cereals that do start with C. There's Cocoa Puffs. I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs! And Cocoa Pebbles. It might help me if I remembered what cereal company made each of these cereals, but maybe the red and the yellow and blue kind of mixed together to make the cereal a little more brown. Um, Because there's not that much cocoa in it. And I'm going to say that I'm, in fact, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. That is my answer, Cocoa Puffs. Cuckoo for uh, Cocoa Puffs is your answer. So you are absolutely correct that uh, we are talking cereal here. And, uh, you know, that's what all the the grain, corn, and all of that good stuff. It's a sugary cereal. So, you know, it's going to be one of those sweet confections. The thing that makes this cereal stand out from other General Mills products, such as Cocoa Puffs, is the fact that those colors are there so that they can dye their little marshmallows into uh, the proper brown color that comes from everybody's favorite monster cereal, Count Chocula. Oh, okay. I... Count Chocula, that makes sense. I forgot about Count Chocula. I also would not have known that Count Chocula had marshmallows in it. I just, I never liked marshmallow cereals very much. I didn't, I was more of a toast person than a cereal person growing up. And when I ate cereal, I don't know, I was, I must have been a dullard or something. (laughs) I wanted plain shredded wheat like not even that frosted mini wheats malarkey give me plain shredded wheat like i want my cereal to taste like a cardboard box you 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 uh you wanted kicks <laughs> no i wanted shredded wheat <laughs> same type of bland it's kicks is just tricks without the colors <laughs> yeah kicks is kind of you know it's bland corn puffs i don't know i liked the the you know strings of wheat as opposed to the corn but yeah definitely the same like bland idea it's very good very good uh, i i said it's everybody's favorite monster cereal it's not my favorite monster cereal i, I i'm a booberry fan but that, you know, <laughs> get my box every year all right well all good things must come to an end unfortunately your run of success came to an end but fear not one last question in regulation it is going to be worth five points it is going to be literature are you ready I'm ready if I've read the book. Well, I can't promise that, you know, in the other room, I'm going to start showing the Willy Wonka movie so you can catch up on your (laughs) reading. (laughs) We shall see if you can uh, catch the correct answer to uh, this 
question. Master of doublespeak, this character is the primary nemesis of Yosarian in the classic novel Catch-22. Who is he? Master of doublespeak. Like, I know doublespeak is a thing in Catch-22. And the problem is I've never actually read Catch-22. Um, question is, can I come up with a character from Catch-22 whose name, or at least part of said name, starts with a C? This is double plus ungood. Not even sure if that's the right book. But it's still <laughs> double plus ungood. Yeah, I... I I've got nothing, and so, yeah, I don't know. Charles Barkley. <laughs> Charles Barkley. The, <laughs> the round amount of rebounds. Uh... And also the master of double speed. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's terrible. That answer was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> Nicole, that was terrible. Uh... It was terrible. <laughs> So you said you've never read Catch-22. I think I've started Catch-22 uh, like five times. I uh, I heard so many good things about it. I was a fan of MASH growing up, and they said, oh, well, if you like MASH, then please, Catch-22 is so much better. I just cannot get through this book. I could not get through more than a couple of chapters. There, There's a character named Major, 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 and every time they put his name down, they write the full Major, 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 Major. Uh, there's a character whose name is Major Blank. Is his, they don't know his first name, so they just put a, a, a line Major across for blank. blank. I mean, he's got a last name, but there's that blank right that breaks up the text. And I just, I just never was able to to get through this dense, dense book. Uh, I'm, I'm not. Sh I know there's a character named Snowden in it, which is supposed to be kind of ironic given Edward Snowden and the whole uh, thing that's going on with him. But uh, no, no, I know very little about. The other than the fact that the first line of the book is uh, something about Yosarian falling in love with the preacher. Um, but uh, his nemesis throughout this book, not only is he the master of doublespeak, but he's a double C, which, of course, why wouldn't I not choose a character with a double C? Colonel Cathcart. The car! The car! <laughs> the car! That's for all you Fish Cold Water fans out there. Colonel Cathcart uh, is the answer. No points for you on that one, but uh, hopefully I've uh, educated as well as entertained. <laughs> you have educated. I have never heard of Colonel Cathcart, and now I at least have that name somewhere in the recesses of my corpus callosum. Indeed. 12 points in that round. Even though you did not get the last two right, you did get the first two right. Uh, a fine 50% and uh, of, of the appropriate point values to get 50% of the points as well. We're going to add those 12 points to the 22 you had coming into round four. And that means you have 34 points, a very healthy score. And we are not done just yet, Nicole. We are going to go into the confidence question. Your last chance to try and improve your final score. Only one question is before you. Only one answer is required. I will give you the category, and you must wager between 1 and 10 points. Get it right. I will happily, happily add it to your score, but oh, oh, get it wrong. It's dictionary duty for you, my <laughs> dear. Dictionary duty. Uh, as you know, this season, all contestants in the hot seat come to me with three potential categories that I can choose from for the confidence question. I felt it only fitting. Why not? Horse racing is your category. Yay! So I ask you, 
on a scale of one to ten, how confident are you in horse racing? Well, I'm generally quite confident in horse racing. I'm also quite confident in your ability to pick the most difficult, dastardly possible question within horse racing. But I've got 34 points. I was going to be happy if I walked out of here. Like, I was going to be ecstatic if I walked out of here with more than 20 points. So even if I bet the max, I still walk out of here with more than 20 points. Let's do it. I'm a bet 10. I have confidence in you as well. Uh, you know, this probably be a, a real deep cut for most people, but after now talking to you and getting to know you a little bit, I have a little confidence <laughs> in you as well. So uh, good luck. Here is your 10-point confidence question in horse racing. Few three-year-olds end up going unbeaten in their Triple Crown experience. But one such horse did so by beating the winners of the other two legs by 14 lengths in his only race out of the three. Who was this stud who lived to the ripe old age of 23? Okay, so same start of the C. He lived to the ripe old age of 23, only raced in one of the Triple Crown races, and beat the winners of the other two legs by 14 lengths. Um... Because I have an idea only because I'm pretty sure there's a horse whose name starts with C that I'm pretty sure won the Belmont by quite a bit. I'm blanking out as if he, the only problem is, is I don't remember if he ran in the other two legs. I know the horse I'm thinking of won the Met Mile like the week before. Since I'm, yeah, I'm not coming up with anything better. I know the theme is C, so I'm going to go with Conquistador Cielo. Conquistador Cielo. That's a fun, fun name to say, isn't it? It Uh, really is. Obviously, any horse who wins the Triple Crown would be uh, unbeaten in their Triple Crown experience. So, you know, if anybody out there was thinking of Count Fleet or Citation, certainly they are Triple Crown winners, but... I specifically said this is a horse that only won one race, did not race in the other two legs of the Triple Crown, uh, and in that race that they did uh, run, won by 14 lengths over the winners of the other two. This was indeed the Belmont Stakes. This was indeed 1982, uh, defeating Gato del Sol, winner of the Kentucky Derby, (laughs) and Alama's Ruler, winner of the Preakness, it is one of my favorite horse names of all time. I could not help but include Conquistador Cielo. You've got 10 points. Yes! You are correct. Well done. What's great is you ended up picking the Triple Crown races from the year I was born. Who knew? So, <laughs> even though I couldn't remember, even though I couldn't remember whether Conquistador Cielo raced in the other two, it's like I do I did know he won the Belmont won it pretty soundly. I could have named those two horses that he beat, but yay! <laughs> yes, let this be a coffinary tale. <laughs> See what I did there? Because it's a jockey named Steve Coffin. <laughs> uh, pick a category you actually have some confidence in, and there's a good chance that you will do well. Uh, I'm not sure anyone out there did as well as you did this week. Who knows? Uh, but 44 points. An incredibly healthy score, Nicole. Uh, Is there anything else that you would like to say, plug, uh, talk about, sing, cry about? The the forum, as they say, is yours for the next few moments. 
Oh, I have nothing to cry about. I am amazed and excited that I scored 44 points. As far as things to plug, in keeping with the theme of the letter C, I'm on the board of an organization called Cantor Chicago, and we work with trainers to list horses who are retiring and then work to market them to people who are looking for riding horses, sport horses, jumping horses, just all kinds of things that retired thoroughbreds can do. So if you're in the Chicago area and you're looking for a horse, um, please visit um, Cantor USA is the website and then just go under Cantor Chicago. Um, if you're somewhere else in the U.S., go to Cantor USA and look at your local affiliate because there are a lot of things that horses can do once they're retired from the racetrack. And I'm sure that an OTTB would be an awesome addition to your stable. And if you're like me and you live in a city and you can't have a horse, um, consider volunteering for Cantor because it's a worthy cause and helps a lot of horses. Yeah, and that would be Cantor with an E, not Cantor with an O, who is uh, probably singing at your local synagogue uh, this weekend. Uh, and very happy not to have any communion wafers in their hands for you to steal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, 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 the Cantor is safe from Florida, man. <laughs> well, thank you so much uh, being in the hot seat, Nicole. I, I had a wonderful time. It sounds like you did, too. Hopefully all of you out there had a good time as well. And uh, we will be back next week for another exciting episode. Nicole, you can leave the hot seats and uh, we'll be back with D in the very near future. Take care and bye-bye. Did you beat our guest or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter at BMGPod. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, spread the word. This is Absolutely Not with Mark Goods and Bill Poppin Productions. Cookie, cookie, cookie starts with C! Um.